0: Welcome in Hokies fans to this edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. We record on Wednesday, October 5th, and episode 260 of the Tech Sideline podcast is a very special edition as we have Virginia Tech head women's basketball coach on set, Kenny Brooks. We're going to look back at what was a phenomenal season last year and also look ahead to what has much more promise in 2022 as well, starting up in just about a month. All of that and much more coming up on episode 260 of the Tech Sideline podcast, which starts right now. Welcome back into episode 260 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We thank you however you are listening, or if you are watching on our YouTube page, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the podcast goes live or comes out every single week. I want to remind you that Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank & Trust Company, one of the nation's leading community banks. First Bank & Trust is a nationally ranked community-focused bank with over 30 locations throughout Virginia and Northeast Tennessee with an additional presence in North Carolina. They offer free checking with industry-industry leading mobile banking financing solutions for personal agriculture business commercial and mortgage needs and more visit www.firstbank.com to learn more very special edition of the tech sideline podcast today i'm your host jake lyman david cunningham on set as well managing editor for tech sideline and across the way we are very pleased to welcome head virginia tech women's basketball coach kenny brooks kenny we really appreciate you coming on obviously a lot to talk about with your team very excited for the season
1: finally i'm here, you know, you know, this, I'm, I'm big time now, but uh, great to be here. Uh, really appreciate what you guys do for all of Virginia Tech, and so I'm very very excited.
2: I appreciate you having me. Uh, appreciate you coming on and joining us. First, congratulations on becoming a, a James Madison University athletics hall of famer how about that how does that sound you
1: know what they'll let anybody in won't they (laughs) you know you know it's tremendous uh i went to so many of those ceremonies i watched some of my former players get inducted uh friends colleagues uh people that i went to school with you know when you're at a university for such a long time you're going to see a lot of great people come through it and to see them get acknowledged it was always a big thrill for me i never thought about it i never anticipated it um never even felt like it was my turn and, uh, and then when I got a call, I got a call last February. We were, in the, we were in the heat of everything. I think we had Carolina on Sunday and Duke maybe the following Thursday. We were right in the middle of everything. And I had a missed call from the athletic director and never crossed my mind. So when I called him back, we small talked for a little bit, never crossed my mind. And as soon as he said the words that, you know, we, you're, congratulations, you're going to be inducted to the Hall of Fame, I felt like I was listening to Charlie Brown's teacher after that. It was just (laughs) wah, 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 wah. And it was an out-of-body experience because I never felt it. I never anticipated it. But once I came down off cloud nine, it was pretty cool. And uh, to be able to go back and see so many people that influenced me, uh, it was fun. It was fun. you know. But I think one of the things that really struck me when I went back and saw all those people was how in tune they were to what we were doing here. And uh, so many people walked up to me and they, you know, they would, they would say my players' names, you know, by name, you know, I love the Kitley kid, uh, your little point guard, Amor, and, uh, you know, really looking forward to what you guys are going to do this year. And so uh, that's just true, family, when they really follow you, even when you go to another university, but very, very special moment for me and something I'll always cherish.
0: Well, we're all really excited for this year as well, and I know Hokie fans are too, but I really want to start with last season, a historic season for your program. And the first person who comes to mind when you think about your time with Virginia Tech has to be Asia Shepherd. You mentioned a lot that she was your first recruit. She's been with you pretty much this entire time. What has she meant to you and the growth of this program over the last four or five years?
1: She, she is a Hokie. Uh, you know, together we learn how to be Hokies. And that's a very special, you know, Situation, Because when I recruited her, um, you know, I sold her a vision and she took a blind leap of faith. You know, I told her what was going to happen, not what had happened, what is happening. And, you know, she really bought into it. You know, I told her the first couple of years are probably going to be rough by many standards. Uh, I wasn't going to be smooth sailing. I said, but in the process, you're going to learn. And I said, before you leave here, there are going to be players in that locker room. that are going to be very compatible to you and what you desire. Uh, And we're going to take this program and we're going to be of national prominence. You know, and uh, I remember the moment, you know, the COVID year, we felt like we were going to be in the NCAA tournament. So it gets cut right there. You know, we did everything we needed to do. Won every game that we needed to win to hear our name called on Selection Sunday. Uh, So it didn't happen. Very disappointing. The next year, uh, we start off very slow in the ACC, but we get it together. And we get to the point where we know our name is going to be called, but you never know what it's going to feel like, you know, so many years trying to get a program back to that situation. And I remember we were in the football uh, film room and we were watching selection Sunday. And when our name popped up, it was, it was chaos. Everybody's jumping around high-fiving each other and she and I just looked at each other and we had a moment and we didn't say a word, but it was almost like we did it and we did it because the kid is special. She engulfs everything that there is to be a Hokie. She loves Virginia Tech. She loves Blacksburg. She loved everything that we did. And she carries that mantra. She carries that badge with pride, you know, Virginia Tech Hokie. And any chance she gets, she supports us. Uh, she actually came back, spent a couple of days with us um, last week. Uh, and it kind of cap. we capped we it off. And this is kind of ironic, but special for me. Um, we sat down and we went to eat. We sat down on my couch and we just reminisced, watching the Cowboys win, of course, uh, <laughs> and Cooper Rush, we trust. Um, and we watched that game and we just talked. We just talked about everything that had happened and you know how she's living out her dream. I told her, meet me halfway and I'll get you to the WNBA. And she did more than that. And now she's living out a dream. She's a WNBA champion. Uh, she's in Spain right now and the Canary Islands, which is beautiful, uh, getting an opportunity to play, and uh, get paid to be in the Canary Islands. Um, But just special kid, special kid, not only for me, but for the university, because she's a great ambassador for both.
2: What what was it like to see her win that WNBA championship just a week or two ago with the aces?
1: Yeah, you know, you know, and she kind of, she had to, she had to uh, go into a different role. You know, obviously everything she was doing here at Virginia Tech, uh, she was the focus of our offenses, the focus of of a lot of things that we did. And, uh, you know, and I told her, I said, look, as you go into your, you know, your year, your rookie year you may have to sit watch and learn because the the it's undervalued how good that league is there are only 11 teams you know a hundred and you know 22 or 30 of the best players in the world and so you're a part of that so you may have to learn watch and learn and she had a great opportunity with a veteran group to learn you know and she did that she didn't pout you know she just went and worked hard every day try to try to continue to get better. I think it's going to pay dividends for in the future. Um, But just so proud of her the way that she just, I I lived it through her. We all lived it through her and we watched her. We rooted, you know, we were all like in group texts with my players, you know, talking about the aces and I, and in the process, honestly, for me, it was great professional development because the aces team is very similar to the team that we have now. They have a dominating center in Asia Wilson, Liz Kitley. Uh, they have a, a dominating guard on the perimeter who probably doesn't move as fa- fast as Crafty and Chelsea Gray, which is Ashley Wusu, They have a really fast point guard and Kelsey Plum, which is Georgia Amore. So I took a lot of that and was able to watch a lot of their sets and whatnot, kind of fell in love with their team uh, through, you know, you know, the connection with Asia. And uh, so it's really, it's really great all the way around for us. Is it
0: strange getting ready for this season and not having her around it is. since she was there for the past five seasons? Yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> you know, and actually when she came back, uh, you know, I think it was like our second practice or something. And um, I just wanted her to be out there, you yeah. know. Because yeah, yeah. you're so used to yeah, her. I'm <laughs> so used to her. I'm so used to her, her mannerisms, her moods, everything. We, we kind of grew together uh, because there's only one year that I had, which was the first year that she wasn't out there. And so, you know, you, you're trying to get used to it, but if you have to fill her shoes with something, I'm glad we got Ashley Wusu to <laughs> insert in that situation. But, you know, it, it's kind of like I always equate it to Groundhog Day. Okay. I stay the same, get a little bit older every year, but the kids stay the same say, age. And so we're, we're just a new crop of kids, a new team, new personalities. Uh, and that's kind of what keeps us young a little bit, but uh, we do miss her and, um, I would love to have her for one more year. I don't know if I can petition it, you know, a, a second COVID year or something. But I, lo- I do see a lot of kids out there now who are playing in their sixth and seventh year. You know, I don't know how that happens. Which is crazy. Yeah, I don't know how it happens, but uh, we missed the boat on that one.
2: Well, you have a core, a strong core that's returning, but a lot of them played very, very well last year. Obviously, everybody knows ACC Player of the Year Elizabeth Kitley. I feel like Georgia Amore is a little overshadowed by, by Elizabeth Kitley. Kayana Trailer, really talented. Kayla King, you kind of call her your rock. Deasia Gregg played some big minutes for you guys last year. How important was is that that group is coming back, and how crucial were they for you guys all year last year?
1: They were crucial for us all year last year. Uh, many of them that you mentioned the year before that, and uh, it's really building and setting the foundation uh, of a, of a championship brand. Wit talks about championship brand. Uh, versus a challenger brand, and for the last couple of years, we've been a challenger brand. You know, we've been chasing some teams. We've been chasing Louisville. We've been chasing NC State, uh, which we have a tremendous uh, respect for and a, and a healthy rivalry with. Now we feel like we're on that level. You know, we have all the pieces uh, that we we can become a championship brand. And in doing so, you have to have an understanding. You have to have an understanding how to prepare. You know, and not just for game day, but like now. You know, how do you prepare your body? How do you prepare your mind? How do we incorporate new pieces? And uh, we have the right people to do that. You know, Elizabeth Kitley is the most humble superstar you'll ever meet. I call her my Tim Duncan. You know, she's so humble. She works. She's the hardest worker. Um, She doesn't want any of the praise. That's all she wants to do is win. As a matter of fact, she she has two first-team All-ACC trophies. She has... Uh, a rookie of the year ACC rookie of the year trophy she has a Kay Yao, uh winner she has the uh, player of the year trophy they're all in my office and it's not because I'm a selfish coach and I want them it's just that she says I'll get it later you know it's not what she's playing for you know she wants the big trophy and when you have someone like that who's leading your program you're in business because if she's the hardest worker and she's the most humble, people look up to her and they say, well, you know what? If she's that way, I have to be that way. That's the way Tim Duncan was for Greg Popovich. That's how they won so many championships when you know you have a star-studded uh, NBA and now uh, you have this special guy. We have that special person, Georgia Amore. She may be overlooked in, in the public's eye. She's not overlooked in our gym. Everyone knows she, she, she runs the show. She runs the show. It doesn't matter who you bring in. She's going to be herself. And I've always said it. She's been overlooked because she came in at a time where there were so many talented players entering the ACC in her same year. Deja Kelly, who was a McDonald's All-American. Haley Van Lith, who was a McDonald's All-American. Everyone knows that. No one knew who Georgia Amell was. Just some
2: Australian.
1: Just some (laughs) little Australian, hey, that no one knew. And when we, I, I traveled to Belarus. You know where Belarus is? in Europe. Yeah. It borders Russia. Yeah. And so I went all the way there to see her and it was a trip well made. It, it was worth the trip. You know, I won't, I won't go back, but it was well worth it because <laughs> I got her to, here. I got to see her live, yeah. live. And I saw her live. I saw her movements. She was as quick, as fast as anyone could shoot the basketball. And we felt like that's who we wanted. And when we got her and then she came here for her gray shirt, we knew we stole one. We knew we got someone that is as good as any of those other kids I had mentioned. And she was going to be able to fly under the radar for a little bit. She went out, I was screaming out on the mountaintop. She's as good as anyone. She's as good as anyone. She started to believe that, you know, especially after her freshman year. And now she's as confident as anybody in the country. We were playing in the ACC tournament. And when we found out that Liz could not come back in against UNC, I called Georgia over. Now Asia Shepherd's still on the floor. I called Georgia over and we had a little moment. And I said, look, I said, you're the best player on the, on the floor. I think I used a little bit of explicit in there, but essentially it was saying you're the best player on the floor. Go prove it. And she went out and she scored 20 points in the second half against UNC. And that's the capabilities that she has. Everyone has the utmost confidence in Georgia Amor. You know, she's shown you what she can do. She's dynamic, she's fun, she's great to watch. She's a sports center highlight, you know, what she's been on. Um, but she's a great human being, you know, very appreciative of all the opportunities that are presented to her uh, by us, by Virginia Tech. Uh, she's adopted Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has adopted her. Now, she, she went home this summer for the first time in two and a half years. But she's in great hands, you know, because everyone's really stepped up and really taken a liking to her and adopted her. And she's going into, you know, her third year, you know, as, as a starting point guard for us. She's tremendous now. Kayla King, which you mentioned, you know, she's my security blanket. She's that player that if I know she's on the floor, something good is going to happen. Don't know what it is. She's underrated because she guards everyone. Doesn't matter. She puts them in very tough positions. She's probably, her and Liz and George are probably the three smartest players I've ever coached in my life. And And they're
2: all on the same team together. All
1: on the same team. And we went, we went that direction in the recruiting process. When I first got here, it was like athlete, athlete, athlete. And I felt like they couldn't do the things that we wanted to do, which we needed to do to compete in the ACC because everyone was getting athletes. You know, maybe we weren't getting the top tier athletes, but we were getting athletes. And so we switched it and we wanted to go with kids who are really understanding, have basketball, high basketball IQ. And a lot of people questioned some of the kids that we brought in. They didn't know about it, but those kids are three of the smartest. And we can do anything. I can change anything on the fly. Liz is a 4.0, Kayla's a 4.0, and George is a 3.9. You know, so they're, And they're that smart with basketball as well. I can change anything on the fly, and they can do it right then and there. I can put a play in in November and not run it again until February, and they remember it, and they tell me what I called it. And so I just have to understand that they're a little bit smarter than I am, <laughs> and I just go with it. But tremendous, tremendous kids. Kayana Trailer, which you mentioned, is very, very comfortable in our system now. Uh, a lot of people say portal, portal, portal. I hear a lot of people talking about the portal for Coach Pry, portal for everyone, go grab someone in the portal. It takes time. It takes time. You get some of these kids for a year, it takes them a long time to learn your terminology, learn your style, learn your philosophy. And like some of these kids that you're getting for one year, it's not one year. We get them in the summer, and by March, they're done. You know, So it's like a eight-month contract, essentially, and trying to get them to understand it. Kayana trailers is in her second year, and now she's comfortable with what we do, how we do it, how we play defense, how we play offense, and I think you're going to see her have a tremendous year for us this year.
0: You mentioned going from the challenger brand to the championship brand, and a lot of that is beating those teams that have been at the top of the, the league, and the top of the country, and you've beaten North Carolina, you've beaten Georgia Tech, you beat NC State two years ago as well. What do you think has allowed your team to take that next step, and do you think you can even bring it to another level this year?
1: I do, I do, because um, I joke a lot. You know, we don't we don't get the McDonald's All-Americans that everyone else gets. You know, we want the Five Guys All-Americans, right? <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is we bring those kids in here, and they're not ready yet. They're not ready. We we have to make them great. We we have to identify kids who really have a high ceiling, who have a lot of improvement. And they're going to continue to get better and better and better. And they're not ready yet, but you got to make them into a great player. That's what we've done. You know, when you go to when you go to McDonald's, that double cheeseburger that you order has probably been made about you know it's been made already. It's there. You get it quick. You go to Five Guys, you got to wait a little bit. Made to order. Made to order. You see it. You see it being made. And that's what we that's what we reference our kids to. You look at Elizabeth Kitley, You know, she was recruited high but she wasn't a mcdonald's all-american she wasn't considered the the creme de la creme of the recruits in the acc we made her into that you know she has bought in and worked extremely hard george amore which i mentioned earlier so you get them here and development is a cornerstone of our program we get them here we build them up that's what i love to do other than podcasts okay <laughs> i i shake hands, kiss babies. I'll do it all. I'll do it all. I'll go speak. You know, I have a lot of speaking engagements here in the next couple weeks. I'll do them. But what I enjoy the most is being on the floor. As soon as I leave here, it's our, it's our day off. I'm going to go with Elizabeth Kitley, and we're going to, we're going to work out. I have Georgia Amor. We're going to watch film at at 30. Okay. Ashley Wusu. Can I squeeze it in? That's, that's what I love to do. That's how we're going to elevate our program. And when you do that, you instill confidence in those kids. So when they're at the jump circle, and there's four McDonald's All-Americans for Louisville, okay, and we don't have any. They're confident that they can win the basketball game because they put the work in. They 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 watch each other. They build a confidence in each other. And it took a little bit of time, you know. The fan base, I know, they're always want it, you know, immediately. But it takes time. It takes time to develop that championship culture, you know. You don't just have it and we were building it when we were getting beat when we started 2 and 7 in the ACC 2 years ago we were building that culture and learning how to win and then you win one of those games and then you carry it over to the next year and you get a little bit better and then by the time these kids are juniors and seniors they expect to win and that's where we are as a program right now you know that's why we feel like we can be a championship brand okay but with that comes responsibility because every Every time we walk on the floor, we are no longer the Virginia Tech women's basketball program of seven years ago, eight years ago, where people think that, OK, that's a win. That's a win. Now. And it's like, oh, man, we have to play Virginia Tech on Sunday. And that's what we had to build for. OK. And it wasn't going to be a quick fix. It was going to be by year by year getting a little bit better. And now and I feel like we're at that point where we can challenge, you know, for a championship. If you can challenge for an ACC championship, which I think is, is the best conference women's basketball conference in the country, if you can challenge for a championship in that conference, you can challenge for a championship on the national scene. And that's where we are. Can we do it? It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of coming together. But we have the pieces that puts us in a position to at least think about that, dream about that, but we also have to understand that every time we walk out on the floor, we're going to get everybody's best shot. You know, I, mean, I don't care if it's if it's Louisville or Pitt or Syracuse or Notre Dame. We're going to get everyone's best shot, and we have to be ready for that.
2: Multiple ranked wins last year. Duke twice, North Carolina twice, Georgia Tech. And then the fantastic North Carolina game. Just what a game of basketball that was in the ACC tournament. Um some really big milestone wins for the program last year, but I don't know if any of them were necessarily on on the biggest stage as that North Carolina game in the ACC tournament goes to overtime. You talk about Georgia earlier, 20 points in the second half, that fantastic layup to, to win or to send it, I guess, to overtime. What do you remember looking back on that, that game and, I mean, I I know I was there courtside and and chatting with Evan Hughes who called the game afterwards. We're just looking at it, going, "Man, that is women's basketball at mm-hmm. its
1: finest." A- absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, le- I learned so many things about that game. I learned something about myself. I learned something about my players. I learned something about the culture uh, of, of our of our team, um, and that they, they were gritty. You know, they could have quit. You know, Liz goes out. Liz goes out with you know in the first quarter of that game. And the second quarter, we were just kind of teetering, and everybody was looking over their shoulder, myself included. Is she going to come back? Can she come back? You know, is she good? Is she good? And then at halftime, we found out she was not going to come back. You know, and obviously, we knew we had more basketball to play. Out of precaution, we were going to keep her out. Uh, probably couldn't have played anyway. And so it's like we regrouped. We regrouped. All right, we, we've done it before. But we beat UVA without her. She played one quarter against UVA at UVA. We beat them. By 29, um, and we knew we could do it. All right, but it was just a mindset. And we went out there, and like I said, they could have folded because they, because UNC got up the double digits, and we found a way. We found a way, and we took control of the game. The last play when Georgia makes a layup um, in in a regulation for us, um, I learned something about myself as a coach. Don't overcoach. All right, the play that she scored that basket on. It was backyard drawing it up. We had never run anything like that before. And it was just something that we saw, something we saw. And I had them, I'm like, hey, uh, you go here, you go here. Who else is in? I'm in coach. Okay, well, you just go over here. And because and, we knew, get the ball to Georgia, to your best player. She's hot, she's playing. Use use Asia Shepherd as a decoy because they know they think that the ball is going to go to Asia Shepherd, and we ran it and they ran it to perfection and they were just watching and understanding. And that's growth because I don't know if I could have done that four or five years ago with a group. So we we score the basket euphoria and we go out. Hey, that's all you have to do. Switch, 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 switch everything. I mean, I even said it in Spanish. Switch everything. I, I just switch everything. We don't. We have one breakdown. They catch the basketball, boom! They tie the game up. All momentum shifts. Everything says you guys are done. You can't. You can't recover from this. When we got to the when we got to the bench, everybody's faces looked like, "All right, we just got five more minutes. Let's go get it done." Instead of we just lost momentum. We could have won that game. And then we go back out, and before you know it, we're up double digits in overtime. You know, and I remember during that game. I I never do this. I never do this. We coaches, we're always thinking about what's going to happen next. Okay, this could happen. Like, it's we we have so much wasted information in our heads as coaches because we always always are wondering what could happen next. And probably 70% of the stuff that you're thinking about never happens. Okay, and so you're always focused and you're locked in and you hear, what am I thinking about? I got to do this. What's my substitution? Who's in foul trouble? And in that game, I've never done this before in my life. I never look in the stands. I never, but I thought to myself, this is the best basketball game I've ever been involved in because it was just back and forth, back and forth, fun, high level, physical, I mean, efficient basketball game. And when you have games like that, I play division one basketball at a very high level. I've coached on the men's side at a very high level. And I scoff at, I laugh at people when they say the women's game isn't as entertaining as the men's game. And they're wrong. You're just not watching it, okay? You're just waiting for the dunk. You're probably on your phone, and you're waiting for the dunk, the replay. Oh, there it is, yay. Because the game is as intense, okay? It's as efficient. If you go watch Mike Young's team play, and I watch everyone and You come watch us play; it is, it is amazing the similarities. It is amazing. It's um, the way we play; we almost play identical, not by design. It's, that's his philosophy; it's my philosophy. We we've come together. I watch his practices, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I I know exactly what they're doing. I didn't know what the previous coach was doing; that was a little bit different. But you know, Mike, I know exactly what he's doing, and our styles are so similar. So, you know, so people who say that it's not as good or as exciting they, they're they not watching correctly and during that game that's what i was like that was like, a perfect Man. example of yeah it. yeah and i'm like that this game is high level fun exciting entertaining everyone in that gym who walked away from that game was entertained you know so much i think the best thing not the best thing but one of the cool things um you really got to see the rivalry between nc state and unc because we got going and we were, we were outnumbered. I think they had a little bit more fans than we did, but we got going. That game got going back and forth. Every time we scored, I'm like, why is it so loud for us? And I looked up, and all the red in the building was cheering for us. <laughs> and, and when the game was over with, and I was walking, doing my media uh, obligations. You know, I had so many NC State fans coming up to me, and all oh, that was such a great game. That was this, and that. we are rooting for you guys. And I got a lot of followers from NC State women's basketball fans. They're like, "Thanks for beating North Carolina!" Yeah, yeah. For that, us. and and I think that, and I think it's a it's a healthy respect. Yeah, you know, because we've played them. Number one, we played NC State I think twelve times in the last three years or four years. You know, so we play them a lot, so they see us a lot, and and they understand it, and they're entertained by the game. And, uh, and I think they have a great appreciation for our program, but also just the way we play.
0: Well, that win against North Carolina got you to the ACC semifinals for the first time, and then Selection Sunday rolls around. You hear your name called as a five seed, the second highest seed in program history. Obviously, the first time you heard your name called back in 2021 is going to be a special moment for you. But where does that compare to to be up there in a five seed and have an opportunity to make a run?
1: It was uh, good and bad. Good and bad. I mean, obviously, we knew we were going to be hovering around there. Uh, we, we were, we were uh, hoping that we could get the, the well-coveted four spot. You know, that with that comes the opportunity to host. And, you know, we felt like if we could get someone here in Castle, we had a great chance to, uh, to advance to the Sweet 16, which was a goal of ours. Uh, being the previous year, we went to the second round. You know, we wanted to make the necessary steps to go further. Uh, but being a five seed, know it's good. You know, you're, you're excited about it. Um, you know, it means that your program's going in the right direction. Uh, the bad part is we knew we were going to play a team that was not a 12 seed, you know, in Florida Gulf Coast. And not only are they well coached, they're extremely well coached, they're unique. They're almost like a unicorn. And what they do is they they run around on the perimeter and they jack up threes. And um, they either shoot threes or a layup, you know. And a lot of people focused on the fact that they made a lot of threes. When you dig deeper, they led the country in, in field goal percentage inside the two-point. Uh, and so that's the way they played. And we knew it was going to be a hard guard for us. And one of the things that we really couldn't say, and we never have said it, this is probably the first time I've said it publicly, we knew it was going to be a challenge for us because they're perimeter-oriented, and our best perimeter defender was not available and Kayla King because she sprained her ankle in the yeah. in the first round of the ACC tournament. And um, she did everything she could to try to get back, but she was not healthy. I think she played like eight or nine minutes in that game. And so we had to, you know, go with a different game plan. It was pretty much because they were trying to pull Liz out and their their five could shoot the three. And we had to make sure that we had to dare them to make those threes. And they did. You know, the kids who were shooting at 19% and 22%, they both made four. And one of them was a dagger at the end and you have to tip your hat to them, um, and that, but that's the way we had to play. So we felt disappointed. Disappointed that we didn't get a chance to advance because we felt like if we had a favorable draw, we felt like we could have advanced. You look at UNC, they had, they had a really good draw. They went out and they played in Arizona, it was a good draw. Uh, Notre Dame, they went to Oklahoma and they had a good draw and they were able to advance. We felt like we were every bit as good, you know, so I think a lot of it has to do with your draw and who you get. If you get the four C, you control that and you play at home. So that's something that we've talked about. It's very motivating. Uh, you never want to, you know, end the season, you know, early. I think only one team is going to be happy, and last year it was South Carolina, um, but it was motivation because we knew we were better than what we were able to put on the floor. You know, Liz was hurt, um, and we did. We never used it as an excuse. You know, just motivation. And now these kids are ready. They're locked in. They're older. They're more experienced. Uh, we add more experience to a group, you know, Ashley Wusu. She's been to the Elite Eight, you know, so she can, we can, you know, we can rely on some of her expertise to go out and try to figure out how we can get to that next level.
2: What, what did you learn from that Florida Gulf Coast game?
1: Carl Smesco is a really good coach. Uh, <laughs> it, it's something that we really haven't seen before. Uh, it, it's different. You know, nobody in the uh, ACC plays that way. And um, But I did learn that <clears> – <throat> We had some kids who stepped up. You know, Liz had a tremendous game. I think she broke a, a school record. She yeah. scored forty-two points in that game. Uh, we walked away from that game, and she was the first one to say it. I should have had fifty-two, um, but I felt like we we had enough grit to win uh, that game. We just had to be a little bit better, and we had to step up in a circumstance uh, where we weren't one hundred percent. And um, but also learn be one game better and get the four seat. And so that's something that we'll talk about. That'll be something that every game we play this year, we'll say, hey, look, this could be the difference in a five seat and a four seat. Let's go out and make sure we take care of business.
0: Well, lots of excitement for the season just over a month away. You brought in a, lot of new, a couple of new players. You bring that core group that David was talking about back What's the, the feeling around this team? You mentioned all the experience. Do you feel like there are things you can do with this group that maybe allow you to expand the, the system and, and the way you can play this season?
1: Yeah, it is. Every year, people ask me, well, you know, people, younger coaches and even, you know, newer coaches and even some older coaches will say, what, what's your philosophy? We like what you do. What's your philosophy? And I'll ask them, what year are you asking about? <laughs> you know, because every year you have to change. You have to evolve. You know, the days of being the Bobby Knights and people like that where you bring kids in to just run your system, we, we're, we can't do that. You know, because if you get a player that's talented who really doesn't fit exactly what you do, how you do it, you have to evolve. And you have to, okay, incorporate them because it can elevate your program. I'm not egotistical enough to say, hey, run my system, and you have to run it great. You know, if you don't run it my way, you're not going to be able to play. I evolve around their talents, and every year is different. You know, I, I've i never had a dominating center until Elizabeth Kittley. So everything was perimeter oriented. We were, our claim to fame was, hey, let's run around and shoot some threes, see if we can beat you. <laughs> and uh, that's how we had to operate because that's what we had. That was yeah. our strength. All of a sudden you get an Elizabeth Kittley and we're like, whoa, okay, let's change that philosophy. Throw the ball inside. We'll shoot the threes after she throws it back out. And we can be successful and we feel like we can go to a different level with that. At an Wusu, I've never had uh, a kid that talented you know she's a talented with the ball she does magnif. she's like a magician with the ball sometimes does she fit exactly what we've done in the past no but we will evolve we're putting in new stuff uh, to make that happen so we're excited with the new additions we're excited what they can bring they bring a different element all of them i've never had a dominating or as an athletic four as a taylor soul Uh, she comes in, we can do different things in the last couple of years. My, my, my fours were different. You know, we use them primarily as screeners and now we can put the ball in her hand and let her rip and drive. She's as explosive as any player I've ever seen with her strength. So it's just a matter of incorporating a lot of different things, you know, for them so that we can make us better. You know, It's not like, hey, you have to totally conform to what we're doing. We're going to put some packages in for you. We're going to do some things, and I think that's just going to make us that more dangerous. We have, we have no liabilities out there. We have nobody that we're trying to hide. We have five players out there at all times that we're like, okay, we can run a package for them. We can run a package for them. We put in an offensive set the other day where the ball moves and moves and moves, and it touches everyone's hand with them having an opportunity to go and score. That's going to be hard to guard that's gonna be hard to scout against. And so we just have to continue to do that. This is a group that can do it. They're humble, they're unselfish, uh, and they seem to get along extremely well already in a very short time
2: your schedule this year, you've got a trip to the Bahamas. That's going to be pretty fun. Yeah. Are you excited for that one?
1: Well, it'll be fun for my wife and the fans <laughs> and, you know, everybody knows. <laughs> you're goes you're along. Gonna in the going to be working. It, it could be a last score of Bahamas for me. Cause I'm going to be in the room, watching yeah. film, getting ready for the next opponent. The one thing that they, they, they were, they were geniuses in doing, uh, we don't play back to back. We play a day and we have a day in between. And then we play the next day. So, I'm assuming there's only so much film I can watch, so maybe I can watch it on the beach, so that'll be good. Uh, but the but the but the one part that will keep me grounded, we have two really good opponents out there. Yeah, you know, two SEC. We have the defending SEC champion uh, in Kentucky, and then we have Missouri, who's a very hard team to prepare for because they run a five-out system. Similar to what uh Florida Gulf Coast. You know, it's not our strength in guarding, uh, but it will prepare us for a lot, you know. You know, maybe we'll run up against someone like that in a tournament and maybe this game will help prepare us for that. So uh we're excited about that. You know, we come back, uh we have another game. I- I'm excited about that too because we've always been gone when tech football plays UVA football.
2: Are you gonna so you're gonna be back for We actually
1: come back the day before Thanksgiving. There you go. And so I'll be able to see that game for the first time in my tenure here. <laughs> that'll be and uh, so that, that, that'll be exciting for me. But then, you know, it's back to work. I think we have a, a game. I think we play Longwood next. But then we have a, a stretch where it's going to be really tough, where we have Nebraska at home, which yeah. is a top 20 team uh, projected. Uh, very veteran team. Uh, their, their coach is ironic that we came in the, first, the same year uh, building our respective programs. We played each other in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So I've kind of followed her projection, her career, and what she's done there because we share similar, you know, timelines. Uh, so we get them, and they're going to be extremely, you know, well-coached. They're going to be a great team. And then we have the game at Tennessee, you know, the Jimmy B game, which is going to be on national television, uh, probably in front of 19,000 people screaming, you know, good old Rocky Top. It'll be a great experience for us. But then there's no rest after that. We have our first ACC game at Boston College which will be in a very emotional game. You know, we have two Boston College transfers, uh, a Boston College assistant coach who's now with us. And then, you know, they're going to be there. They've got that game circled, and um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But I think this is a group to be able to handle it, and I think we'll come out. You know, I don't know if we'll come out unscathed, but I think we'll come out stronger mentally and prepared as we go into ACC play.
2: And, And you get NC State. Two big games on on ESPN yeah, too, like yeah. like playing. What what what's it like? I know it doesn't change like the way you guys prepare or anything, but playing on national television that's pretty cool.
1: You know what? It's it's really cool, but it's not as cool. It's not the kind of cool you think it is for us. And what I mean by that, obviously, with ACC Network and with so many games being televised now, uh, other than the personalities who want to talk to you before the game, it's, it's it really doesn't change the same. Much, yeah, it doesn't change. It only changes after the game. And then you see the result. And if you win, you're like, man, that's cool. Everybody saw that. You know, you know, if you don't play well, you know, hey, you know, everybody saw that. Um, But, you know, for the kids, they do a They do a tremendous job and they don't play any differently, whether it's on, you know, whether it's streamed, it's not whether it's on national TV or whatever. But that's just the maturity uh, of this group lots of big games
0: inside castle coliseum one of those games against nc state is one of them you've seen the crowds really rally around this program over the last couple of years big crowds especially on sundays coming out for big games what's that mean for this program to see hokey nation filling out the seats in castle coliseum
1: it it means everything and um you know it could mean more um because castle coliseum is special It, it really is you know if they ever wanted to, you know, build us another a two hundred million dollar venue, I honestly wouldn't want it. You know, take some of that money, you know, make make it a little bit more um, appeasing to the fans. I don't know, the concourse, get rid of the con- I, I, something. Okay, maybe I, I don't something like, but do not change the atmosphere. Do not change the structure of where we play because that building goes straight up. Everybody seems like they're on top of you. We go on an eight to nothing run in Castle Coliseum. You don't only hear it, you feel it. And that is a home court advantage. When we get people in the stands, okay, it is tremendous for us. We played against uh, NC State, I think the last game of the year. And I think, I don't know what the numbers were. Maybe it was four, 4,000, 5,000. Um, and so it's an advantage. Wes Moore, their head coach, he I mean, he said to me probably eight, 10 times, man, this is awesome. Oh my goodness. You guys really got it going. That was that game, all right? We need that for all of our games. And the thing that the thing that uh, hurts my feelings a little bit is that I know how hard our kids work, all right? We share, we share a facility with the men, all right? We share all of our facilities with the men, Hanhurst, okay? We usually come on after them or they come on after us, okay? I see how hard they work, the men. They work extremely hard. Our kids work as hard, all right? So when they walk out to Castle, all right, they go to every men's game. And it's 9,000 people, all right? And then we can play the next day, and it might be 2,000. And and it's still a good crowd. But when you see the 9,000 the day before, you know what it can be. And those 9,000 people in Castle, who are they? They're number one, they're Virginia Tech fans. Number two, they're basketball fans, okay? Well, that's what we are. We're Virginia Tech women's basketball. So why not come out and watch it? I promise you, you'll be entertained, I like I mentioned before we are we're almost identical <laughs> in the way that we play, and I just feel like that you know I think that that Hokie Nation and not all because we have we have some tremendous supporters, the fans that do come in there they they are they're awesome. I just think that a lot of people are missing out on something that's very very special, that's very very special. I don't know if they know what they do have. We go other places and people compliment man you guys are really good. Okay, we have the first all-american in virginia tech women's basketball history okay last year you saw the all-time leading score okay she's going to hold it for a year because elizabeth kitley's going to break it this year all right and on top of that you get to see one of the best point guards ever played this group is worth watching they're worth watching they're worth the support and you know i don't want to beg because you know we're, we're, we're not desperate we're good we're really good and hokey nation can come out and they can make us better you know, they can really make us better. And I promise you, it's not charity. They can come out. You'll be entertained, you know, and it's fun. And when I saw it, like, like, I, I'm a kind of, like, I like to watch men's basketball from my office. I like that. I like to hear the commentary. Okay. I, I, I love the atmosphere when I'm coaching in it, but when I'm watching it, I like to be by myself watching it. So I'll watch a lot of the men's games in my office, you know, because I can hear it. Yeah. I can see it. it's the stats. Those are the things that really mean a lot. When Asia Shepard got honored um, for becoming the all-time leading scorer in Virginia Tech women's basketball history, she was honored at a men's game. And when when I walked out with her and when we were prepping to go and we were getting ready to go, you're going to go at the first media timeout, such and such, such. We sat there and I was, I was weak in my knees. And she leaned over to me and she said, Coach, I'm nervous to walk out here. There's 9,000 people in there. She said, "Coach, I'm nervous to walk out here," and I was so glad she said that because I was like, "So am I," <laughs> because it was electric, and it was so many people in there, and you felt everything that was happening there. And we walked out, and they started screaming her name, you know, chanting her name, Asia Shepherd, and that was a thrill for me. And it was nine thousand people, nine thousand Virginia Tech people, nine thousand basketball fans. Come out on Sunday. You know, come out and, and you can make, you can elevate this team because we have the foundation of something that can be very, very special. We have the foundation. We're a good basketball team. If we're, if we're really, if we're a a really, really good basketball team, that if we just had a little bit of support can make us great, I think it's worth our while. And these kids deserve it because they're great kids. They represent not only our program to the utmost, they represent Virginia Tech. To the utmost, we had the highest GPA of any team on campus last year. Okay, they're good kids. They 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 support. They go to all the soccer games. They go to the volleyball games. They go to lacrosse games. They go to the men's basketball games. They go to the football games. They're jumping up and down. They're hokies, and I think the thing that they really deserve is to have the same thing reciprocated because they work as, as hard as the men, and I think they deserve. I think they deserve our, our attention to be able to help us go and be a great basketball team.
2: You've got three new freshmen, Charlize, uh, Carly, and Maddie. What have they been like? How have you liked how they've integrated into the program? And um, what are your kind of expectations for that group this year?
1: They're, they're tongue twisters um, (laughs) because um, we call, we call Charlize. We don't call her Charlize. We call her Charlie.
2: Charlie. Yeah, okay. if,
1: if you call her Charlie, she might not even answer because her name is Charlie. <laughs> I've even shortened that to calling her Chuck. You know, <laughs> if you're Charles <laughs> and Chuck, um, because they're tongue twisters because they're similar in play, they're similar what they look like. Their names are Carly and Charlie. So if I had a dollar for every time I called Carly, Charlie, and Charlie Carly, I probably wouldn't have to work. <laughs> you know, I could <laughs> I could just walk out of here. But but they're tremendous kids. Tremendous. I mean, they're they're they love Virginia Tech. They love everything that they've experienced about it. They love the team. The team has really taken them under their wing. And I think they're going to be very talented players. Um, how much will they contribute? That's remained to be seen because we're so talented. But they know every day they're able to get better. And they're getting, they're getting their butts kicked every day in practice. Um, Charlie uh, had a day yesterday, and I think she made like five straight three-pointers. And uh, it was funny because the day before that, she she played extremely well. And I asked her. I said, "What did you eat? What did you eat today?" And you know, very innocently, she's like, uh, in her in her uh, Australian voice, she's like, uh, "I had Duncan, And you know, she's like, "I had you know the Performance Center." I said, "Well, whatever you had today, go do it. Do, go do it again tomorrow." And uh, so she started playing well. Hit fight five straight threes. I said, "What'd you have today?" She said. Duncan. And, you know, so she's coachable. <laughs> she's coachable. But, but they're, they're great. I uh, love their addition. I think they're going to be tremendous additions for our program. They're going to contribute to our program uh, tremendously when it's their time, you know, whether that's this year, whether it's next year, but they're, they're getting value, value experience. That's how you build a program. You know, when you can bring kids in and they're very talented and they're able to sit and watch for a little bit while they can develop
0: You've touched on some of the transfers as well with Ashley and Taylor and, and, and Clara. But what can it bring to a team like yours that feels like it's on the verge of, of jumping up to that next level to bring in players with that much experience and talent uh, that, that can really step in and be a plug-and-play starter for you?
1: Well, our, our philosophy in the portal is uh, we don't just go after anybody. Just because you hit the portal doesn't mean that we feel like you're a good fit. Um, you have to get, you know, yeah, everyone's in a portal for a reason. Okay, It could be a bad reason. It could be a good reason. And you have to do your homework. And you have to figure out who's going to be able to, uh, to fit into what we do. Because we didn't need anybody from the portal that was going to try to come in and be the man, you know, be the superstar. We had that. We had the best player in the ACC. We feel like we have the best point guard in the ACC. We have the pieces already. We needed complementary players. We're kind of like, you know, I kind of use the analogy, we're like the Rams. You know, they're homegrown with Cooper Cup. They're homegrown with Aaron Donaldson. All right, but then they add some supplements. They added they added Stafford. You know, they add they added last year OBJ. You know, some people who are good compliments. And that's what we feel like we had. You know, we have our foundation. We have kids who have been with me since the inception of, the, of their college careers. So we just needed some supplemental players who were going to come in with the attitude of knowing that they didn't have to be the superstar. So we were very careful. You know, I've known Ashia Wusu since she was in the seventh grade. I offered her a scholarship when she was in the seventh grade. You know, I've known her for a long time. I know her family, know everyone. I knew what she was looking for. She wasn't trying. She wasn't leaving Maryland because she wasn't getting enough shots. She wasn't leaving Maryland because she wanted to go somewhere and be the the person. She wanted to come here because she wanted to play with Kitley. She played with Kitley in a USA basketball trial. And she loved it the way she wanted to come play. And she wanted to get some of the things that we were going to be able to offer. Um, Kayana Trailer came two years ago, a year ago, knowing that we had uh, Georgia Amore. You know, and it wasn't like, okay, I need to be, you know, she played 37 minutes a game for Purdue, point guard, all Big Ten, but she knew we had a really good point guard in Georgia. She just wanted to come and win. Taylor Soule, you know, she was all ACC. You know, she's going to come here. She even told me, one of her former teammates said, why do you want to go there? You're not going to be the face of the program. I don't want to be the face of the program. I just want to win. You know, those are ingredients that we look for in the recruiting process. Those are key words. Those are key phrases that we look for when we're talking to them, you know, in the recruiting process. And when they say those things, boom, we know you can be here. Kayana Trailer, when I, I knew, she sent me a long text during the recruiting process. I thought it was a Dear John text. I thought she was breaking <laughs> up with me like, hey, coach, thank you. But, you know, no, no, no. But I kept, I kept rolling. I scrolled, you know, he, you know, how you look for bad phrases, bad words. And (laughs) it was none. It's I just want to go there. I don't need to be a starter. I don't need to be this. I just want to go and I want to win. Ashley Iwusu, I don't need to be the man. I just want to win. Uh, Taylor Soul, you know, Taylor Soul, we had her on a Zoom. You know, she hit the portal. I knew of Taylor Soul. I knew she was going to be, I knew she's a great, you know, personality. We were talking 10 minutes. I'm showing her the campus on the Zoom is beautiful. Our facility, this, that, and she stopped me. She said, coach, and her parents were on there. She says, coach, you can keep on with this, but I'm coming. Cause I've seen the culture. I've seen the way you guys do things. That's who you want. And I swear, I think Taylor soul, you know, before she leaves here, she's going to be the mayor of Blacksburg, you know, <laughs> and that's what we needed. Cause we have, we have a group, we have a, a group full of introverts. You know, we can win a really big game. And they're not hooting. They're not hollering. They're not celebrating. They're in the locker room. They're just like looking at me like, okay, when's the next game? <laughs> and I'm like, come on, enjoy it. Taylor Soul is going to bring that to us. She's like, hasn't met a stranger ever, you know, and she's she brings that, that energy that we need. Clara Ford is the mother of the team. She's the voice of reasoning. When they get a little bit, you know, out of line or whatever, she says it in a way that like she's a mother and they just kind of listen to her and they're like, Okay. And uh, those are, those are elements that we needed. And that's what we went out for. And it wasn't just, Hey, you know, plug in, plug in a great player and see how it works. We got elements that we needed. And I think that's going to be very, very beneficial for us.
2: Taylor, so might have to fight Justin Mutz to be the, the man. I think of Black she's got him. She does. Really?
1: Yes. Yes. She just hasn't been here as long. You know, they're, they're very similar, but,
2: but but talk about two energetic faces to, to lead
1: programs. No, no question. No, no question. And and that's something that we, we lacked a little bit last year, you know, just that little bit, you know, I can say, I can talk in generalities. I can say, Hey, look, you guys are, you guys are sluggish on defense and you guys better pick it up. Taylor is the one that leads the charge. Hey, come on, we gotta, you know, she's only been here for you know two months. Here, here, you know, she's that energy that we needed, and boom, and so I think that's gonna, it's gonna that those are those are traits that you know on the message boards people won't understand. You know, but we as coaches is what we need. We as coaches is what we desire and know that's gonna put us over the hump.
2: So Sean Poppy, longtime assistant, goes to Chattanooga. We were talking about this before. How's he doing? And you bring in George Portia, Rad gets promoted. H- how do you feel about your your group of assistants you have now? And I know it's going to be tough to to see to not have Sean Poppy on. Yeah, staff you right. know,
1: you know, Poppy uh, Poppy's my guy. He, um, uh, you know, I learned a lot with former assistants. I have, I have, eight former assistants who are Division One head coaches right now. And so, you know, our coaching, I'm not the godfather, but our coaching tree is pretty strong, you know, and, and, and that's something I'm very proud of because obviously for them to get opportunities, you have to be successful in, in where you are. And, uh, you know, I used to be, you know, the way I built my programs at James Madison was like either with us or against us. You know, my programs, we taught them how to hate Virginia Tech. We taught them how to hate Virginia because that's who we were chasing. That's who we were going to be. And it, it got to a point where we were strong in our culture because it was either you're with us or against us. And so I would have assistants leave and I didn't handle it well. You know, I didn't handle it well because they were going to a different program. So I'm like, okay, well, you're not with us. So you go do your thing. And I learned a lot from that. So when I had Sean Poppy, okay, I had Sean Poppy, Jennifer Brown, and um, Brittany Anderson. Jennifer Brown's down the head coach at Queens College who then they just went Division One, Okay. Brittany Anderson is stud star is she went to Stanford. Um, she's, she had opportunities to be a head coach this year, waiting for the right opportunity. She's got, she's phenomenal. Going to be a head coach one day, Sean poppy, uh, we're, we're, we're in a women's sport. Okay. And as a male, you know, sometimes you gotta wait a little bit longer for your opportunity. And uh, but he's star, he's a star. The last two years, I've given him more responsibility than I've ever given any assistant coach I've ever had. And he, he blossomed with it, you know. And it, and it allowed me to focus on other things. I gave him defense. So he would watch all the defenses come up with a scheme. He's kind of like my little blood Foster. And then he would come to me, and maybe I would tweak this, or I would say, no, nah, I really want to handle it that. He would incorporate it, and he was able to shine that. He was able to relay that. It gave me an opportunity to rest. I didn't have to think about both sides of the ball all the time. So if, he, if I knew he was in charge of the defense, I could focus on what was next basketball-wise, strategic wise. How many timeouts do I have? This kid is here. And we, and we really took off and it was great. And it's great. In return, I think he was noticed more and I gave him responsibilities where he was going to be prepared for a head coaching position. The AD at uh, Chattanooga, uh, Mark Wharton does a tremendous job there. He was with me when I was at James Madison. He was in fundraising when I was at James Madison. So he saw our programs from the ground up. He called me, what do you think? And I'm like, immediately, Sean Poppy. It hurt because I didn't want to lose him. I didn't want to lose him, but I knew it was his time. It was a great opportunity for him, for a very good program. So now he's there and, uh, you know, I used to have these sessions with him, you know, I called it coaching 101, head coaching 101. And I'd bring him in on, on certain situations. Some were tough learning how to deal with this. You know, some were basketball, you know, we would talk about lots and prepping him. So now when he calls me and he's griping, And he's not complaining, but he's tired and exhausted because he has three assistants who all keep coming into his office. He has video people who are all coming into his office. He's got director of ops who are all coming into his office and he just wants to hide sometimes. And I just chuckle and laugh. And I said, now you know how I was feeling, you know, but he's prepared for it and he'll do a tremendous job as will Jim Brown at uh, Queen. She's got a little bit tougher road because transitioning from D2 to D1, I was a little bit tougher. Uh, and then Brittany Anderson, you know, who, you know, Brit- Brittany, we were actually recruiting uh, this kid who's a top five player in the country. And we both made her top 10 list, you know, which means we're great. But Brittany and I were actually, we were recruiting the kid. We went on the same visit together. And when she walked in for the first time, I'm like, man, I'm going against her, you know, and I know all of her tricks to help us. But Brittany was <laughs> the one who Brittany was the one who was a lead recruiter on Kayla King, Elizabeth Kitley and georgia amore you know and so she's phenomenal at what she does so i know i got my work cut out for her on that one but i'm going to try to use all this gray in my beard as experience and uh and overcome that but they're going to do a tremendous job uh the staff that we have now i'm i'm equally as excited about uh george Porsche. um he was the uh, associate head coach at boston college knows this league knows the areas that we're really trying to get into recruiting you know up north uh, we we had we had tremendous success with our recruiting class in the '23, which we'll be able to talk about in about another month, uh, which I think is going to be uh, one of the top 15 recruiting classes in the country. They're all we have four kids who are all ranked. Four of them are ranked in the top. Uh, three of them are ranked in the top 60, and then one is like probably 80 or 90. And I think she's probably the the steal of the group. She can be the best of them all. And uh, he's really done a good job of getting into that area. He knows the DC area well. Our Rad is uh, a, a budding star. Uh, has tremendous connections overseas, uh, and, and is going to be a budding star. But knows me, been with me for five, six years, so that's a really big plus. And then we have uh, Lindsey Hicks, who I think is a rock star. Uh, we're, we're holding on, man, because you know she's going to be, you know, coveted, and uh, she just, she just really balances us. And I, I think she's one of the best I've ever had.
0: Well, before we wrap up, let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, playing career at James Madison, coach to James Madison. What do you think you can take from your time with the Dukes, both as a player and a coach, that has allowed you to have a lot of success with the
1: Hokies? Well, uh, my playing career, when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, I thought it was because of my basketball prowess. <laughs> but uh, they quickly told me, that, and they put it on the plaque, you know, it's because I was a women's basketball coach. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I had a lot of fun playing. And, and, and during my career, I was able to meet a lot of people. Uh, one in particular was Lefty Giselle, who really influenced me. Uh, as a player, but also a coach. When I played for him, I thought he was the craziest man on earth. Uh, as a coach, I find myself doing a lot of things that he did and which I learned from. So, you know, my experience at JMU was uh, was everything to me. Uh, I, I picked the right school for me, especially at that time, because I was an unassuming, shy kid that really needed guidance when I first got there, and I got it. And I got it, and I got it in a family uh, atmosphere type. And that has really... Really helped me develop my philosophy as a coach, as a mentor to uh, any any program that I have, and uh, we've carried it here. It's all about family. It's all about relationships. Uh, if I'm going to coach a kid hard, I have to know them. And the way you get to know them is you have to go beyond basketball. You have to know. You have to know that Taylor Guyman wants to be a biomedical engineer. I still don't know what they do, <laughs> you know. But I, I'm learning every day, you know. And and you know, because I, I I care about everything that she does. You know, now she's going to run through a wall for me. You know, Elizabeth Kitley. You know, Elizabeth Kitley. You know, I know her family. I I know everything about her, and probably more so off the court than I do on the court. So that's things that I learned from my experiences in dealing with people. As a player, um, you know, I coach them the way I wanted to be coached. You know, uh, you know, I I give them freedoms. I try to encourage them. Uh, if they're not good at something, I don't tell them to not do it. I try to make them better at it. And uh, that's the things that you know. I always wanted, you know, as a player, you know, just encouragement. The game is different now, you know. The game is different, you know. They, they jack up a lot of threes now. Uh, that's just the way the game is played, you know. So I'm I'm like that old man, like get off my lawn. Like, back <laughs> in my day, well, if I was ever be be able to play like this, I would have been great. But it's fun. It'd be fun. And I think that my experiences as a player have really helped me become the coach that I am. And I think that's a benefit for our kids because there's a lot of uh, connection with what we do. So my time was great there. I wouldn't change it for anything. Uh, it was probably the best decision for me at the time. I actually wanted to come to Virginia Tech. I really did. I came to camp here. Uh, Dale Curry, Shenandoah Valley guy. Uh, I know Dell extremely well. Um, you know, we talk, you know, often. He was my idol. You know, Ralph Sampson was a, va- a Shenandoah Valley guy too. But Ralph was 7'4". I was never going to be seven, four, you know, Dell six, four, you know, smooth shooter. Okay. That's what I want to emulate. That's what I want to be like. And I remember coming to camp here with Frankie Allen as the head coach. Uh, I remember being in the back gym where the volleyball team practices right now and being at camp. And I remember the whole experience. I remember Frankie Allen called me up and he's like, he's like Kenny. And I'm like, this guy knows my name. Uh, here I come. I'm going to be a Hokie. And uh, actually my first two letters I got recruiting letters was JMU one and Virginia tech two. And, uh, I remember I wanted to come here and then for whatever reason, they signed some guy named Bimbo Coles. I have no idea why. And then I knew my path had to go a different way. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not going to play there. Let me, let me go somewhere different, but it worked out. It worked out and I wouldn't change it for the world. And I think it's really, you know, shaped me for who I am.
2: I know you're a big family guy surrounded by a whole lot of girls, Yeah. but to have Kendall play for you and Chloe is still on the team and, I th- I know Kendall was involved last year. What's it mean to ha- to have the support from them and, you know, that they're both part of your your team as well as your family.
1: Everything, A- everything, and not not just from from my standpoint, but for our team, you know, Kendall Kendall signed with me to come to James Madison. Good level for her, really good level for her, and I thought she would have been, you know, extremely, you know, she w- she would have been fine in the CAA. And when I decided to come here, I said, you know, look, you got a choice. You can stay there, you can come with me. It's a higher level. Don't know what your production will be, but you can come. And she wanted to come. Immediately, immediately, you know, she can't play at that level. Blah, blah, blah. You know, just just kill. And it was unfair to her because she didn't ask to come here. You know, she was following her dad. And so when she got here, you know, she was the subject of a lot. You know, I was subject of a lot. So people didn't understand it. Oh, you're just going to play your daughter. Oh, she shouldn't be playing. And she heard it all. And and the thing I'm most proud of is that she persevered through that. She came here when I'm trying to change the culture. I threw her into that locker room. Okay, who are they going to be mad at the most? Me. So who are they going to take it out on? They can't take it out on me. They take it out on her. And I think she grew from that. You know, she had people, you know, saying, you know, she shouldn't be playing. My wife had to endure that in the stands. You know, she shouldn't be playing. We could lose a game and it's automatically her fault. And she had to grow up in that. I didn't have to grow up in that. I grew up in obscurity. No one knew who my dad was. I went out and played, made a name for myself. Everything that my kids have had to do, they've been under a microscope. Well, that's Kenny Brooks's daughter. Well, she's not that good. Well, she can't do this. Well, she can't play at that level. So what did Kendall do? She comes out in her first year. She breaks the record for most three-pointers by a freshman. All right, well, you you belong. They're still nitpicking. Oh, you was she? He's just going to play her. And that people will use that against me in recruiting. He's just going to play his daughter. When we recruited Taylor Emery, the other school that was recruiting her, he's just going to play his daughter. Asia Shepherd's here playing behind Kendall because Asia Shepherd just wasn't ready at that time. Well, he's, you're never going to play over his daughter. But what they didn't understand was is that I want to win. Kendall understood what she needed to do, what her place was. Kendall played early because who knew my system better? She did. She watched all my practices at JMU. She knew it. Every workout that I worked out with her was grooming her to play in my system. Now she could put the ball on the floor. I think she made four two-pointers in her whole career. <laughs> but you ask Jeff Walls. You ask westmore they had the game plan for her all right so she was she made her mark she was good for us but where they are the best for us where they are the best for her chloe they they help promote what we are and that's family people don't understand when recruits come in and they see my daughters around there's a comfort level when the parents see that There's a comfort level. You are a father of three daughters who incorporate them into your program. If they're into your program, it must be something that you're safe with. It must be something that you value because you put your kids in there. You have no idea. Carolina has the light blue. They have the Jordan brand. Duke has Coach K. All right, that's their thing. Okay, everyone needs a niche. What is my niche in recruiting? Okay, it's the relationships. And the relationships are built because it's family. My kids have helped us build this program as much as anybody without scoring the points because they have the culture as Liz, Liz Kitley in Georgia, come to my house all the time. <laughs> I don't even know they're there. I don't even know they're there. I'm in my man cave and, and I come into the kitchen and they're there because they're watching a the bachelorette with Chloe and I'm like, okay. And I don't even have to entertain them yeah. because they're there with Chloe. All right. Kendall used to bring them over all the time and that that promotes family and that helps us. So what they did, I uprooted them. They had never moved until we got here. That's unprecedented for a coach's kid. They had never moved. And we came here and family is what has helped me build this program at the rate that we built it because we've incorporated them. It helped me. There are so many fans that have welcomed my wife and my kids in. That has put an ease to me, that's allowed me to get engulfed in Hokie Nation, that has engul- helped me take this program and know that I can really go on the road, and recruit because I know my wife is good, because she's with this fan or she's with these people. My my kids, my kids love, absolutely love being hokies. It's crazy because I taught them how to hate Virginia Tech when we read JMU. <laughs> it's like we don't like them. They did not like them, did not want to come here. Right, because we did not promote anything Virginia Tech. It was JMU, and now they will repeatedly say how much they love it here. They 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 love Virginia Tech. They watch the football games. They do this. They we go back up to Harrisonburg, and they are like, the, my my middle daughter said, when you get inducted and you walk up to get your plaque, I'm going to say, let's go, Hokies. <laughs> And that's what they are. They love it. And it's the best decision I made because they are good. They love it. And so it allows me to really get engulfed in my job and what we can build here. And so family means everything to me. Uh, I have a tremendous family. They've sacrificed so much. They've gone through so much. I think they've come out on the better end of it. Kendall's tremendous job. She's with the ACC network. I mean, the ACC right now. Chloe's found the love of her life in Hunter Couture. And um, so they love the maroon and orange.
0: Well, last one for you, coach. you made a few NFL references on the podcast. I know you're a big Dallas Cowboys fan. Isn't everybody? What, what are we thinking? Is Cooper Rush uh, making a QB controversy for the yeah. Cowboys? Uh, Jerry, Jerry
1: Jones is a genius, man. Everybody heard, heard uh, controversy, quarterback controversy. But if there is something that we're talking about, it means the Cooper's playing great. and uh, And honestly... I'm that fan. I have a Dak Prescott jersey. I, I do. Um, and who do I get mad at the most? Dak Prescott. You know. <laughs> uh, but you know, you're watching right now, and, and um, I, I think that the way that they're playing Cooper Rush is the way they probably should play Dak. You know, they let Dak just try to throw it and try to win the game and score forty, where it, that, that's detrimental to your defense. You know, it puts them out on the field too much. Uh, you need to rest them a little bit. And I think that's what they're doing with Cooper. Look at me sound like a football coach, right? <laughs> you know, but it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fun. You know, being a Cowboy fan, yeah, I took it for granted, you know, back in the nineties when we won three in a row or three out of four, whatever it was. Like, and,
2: oh yeah, we'll be back here. Again. Yeah, <laughs> man, this is
1: what you do all the time. And you know, here I am 53 years old. We we haven't sniffed it since. <laughs> so, but, um, but big Cowboy fan. And, uh, you know, last story I'll tell you before, you know, I'm such a big Cowboy fan that, in college, I, I I dated a a young lady, and she went on to be uh, Miss USA runner up, and and so she ended up marrying Emmett Smith. Wow! And so <laughs> um and so when it was homecoming, and I'm at JMU, and she came back for homecoming, and she brought him. She's she's beautiful, drop dead gorgeous. You know, she and I were you know you know very very close, wonderful person, and so she came back, and there's this buzz. Oh you know, Pat's back. She brought Emmett Smith. And so we were, had a recruit and we were at a hotel and they were there. And so Pat comes up to me because she's, she's a beautiful woman, beautiful woman. And she looked at me and she says, Hey, she gives me a big hug. And I said, Hey, where's your husband? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I, and she looked at me and she just kind of rolled her eyes and she laughed and she brought Emmett Smith over and I got to meet Emma Smith and I was a fanboy. Yeah. You know, the other time I was a fanboy is when I met Mike Vick last two weeks ago. And, I got to sit down with Emma Smith and we watched a football game it was Florida playing, Florida was playing. I don't know who it was. And we we're sitting there, you know, eating out back talking football. And I'm like, I'm talking with Emma Smith and I got those pictures. So in my man cave, I got Emma Smith sitting up there, That's awesome. you know, so, That's and, uh, awesome. but it, it's, that that that's my that's my claim to fame right there but I'm um, big Cowboys fan as everyone should be cuz we're America's team and uh we'll get back real soon i think it's i think it's more with dak but cooper's doing a great job
0: well good luck you got the defending super bowl
1: champs on sunday yeah yeah you know it's going to be it's gonna to be tough, you know. It's gonna to be tough, but they're 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 hobbling right now too. They just got their butt whoops the other day. So, it's true. So it's true. Hopefully well, that's a lingering thing.
0: We, we really appreciate you coming on and spending over an hour with us here on Tech Sideline Podcast. Uh, and good luck. Season starts in just over a month, and we hope to have you back on soon.
1: I appreciate you guys for everything you guys do for Virginia Tech, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, two hundred sixty. It won't take two hundred sixty more to get me back on.
2: Definitely. I'm sure I will not, but yeah,
0: best of luck. And I'll talk to you next week in Charlotte. All right. Sounds good. Perfect. Well, thank you, Coach Brooks, for spending some time with us. Also, thank you to David Cunningham on set with me today. That wraps things up here on episode 260 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We hope you have a great finish to your week, Hokies fans. I'm Jake Lyman signing off. We'll see you next time.